Let's pray. Father, we thank you for gathering us again together and we commit ourselves to you, especially um, to the Holy Spirit's teaching uh, since we are talking about him today. To you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, all right. Let's see how good you are. What was Sunday's sermon title? Okay, one person. The rest can remember or what? All can, huh? Some can, huh? Most can. Forgotten already. <laughs> well, that serves as a, a good introduction for today because uh, one of the passages we're going to use, we are going to talk about Holy Spirit and uh, I'll see how far I can go. I may not cover everything and some stuff I will do that cannot be recorded, but never mind. Um, let's look at... Uh, the scripture that um, Emmanuel, with one M, used on Sunday. That's Luke 24. Okay, so just refer to Luke 24. Um, he then opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Promise of the Father. Acts 1, verse 4 to 8. This very familiar Verse, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Uh, then we jump to verse 8. Like, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the, uh, to the end of the earth. You know why there's promise of the Father in Luke and Acts same ver- same term same author lah. <laughs> yes <laughs> no mystery okay right this term the promise of the Father um, shall I do I need to you to know to ask you what the promise is from those two the Holy Spirit okay that's the promise Ah, then, when was it promised? When was it promised? The promise of the Father. The Father is God. So God promised, Jesus said. When? Well, some people will point you to Joel. In the last days, I will pour out <coughs> my spirit and all that. You say, that's the promise. No. Um... So, let me ask you to read Galatians 3 and then we will solve this problem as the introduction. Paul writes, So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. To give a human example, even a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say offsprings, plural, referring to many, but to one, to your offspring, who is Christ. What I mean, this is what I mean, the law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, It no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. What does this mean? Um, Just for your reference, what Paul is referring to is Genesis. Then you can read the first part. Angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this, 
and you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I shall multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is in the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. This is the passage he's referring to. Does it sound that? Okay, that make sense? Okay. Biblical trivia, first part. What this means is that, you know we call Old Testament, right? The law of Moses. Then the New Testament, Jesus Christ. What this is saying, uh, the New Testament is older than the Old Testament, which is newer than the New Testament. <laughs> because the Old Testament is Mosaic law. We think New Testament is Jesus Christ when Jesus came. No, but Paul says the promise to Abraham is Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And it is to Abraham. And Abraham was slightly older than Moses, right? Slightly before. Lah. Because if Abraham didn't do, Moses wouldn't exist. <laughs> Understand? Okay, so promise given to Abraham many, 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 many years before Moses. Hundreds, in fact. So to speak. Not hundreds, lah, but... Paul is saying that's before the Mosaic Law. So... The New Testament, the covenant in Christ, promised to Abraham, predates the Old Testament. Okay, that's the trivia. So if you've got naughty thing to ask people, try to find brainiest Methodists, you can ask it. <laughs> but secondly, the promise of Abraham, the promise given to Abraham, listen now, So that in Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. You would think that the promise is Jesus Christ. But Paul says no. Christ is part of the covenant definitely. But there is an addendum. The promise involves, and it's just as important, the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, Jesus plus Holy Spirit, not separable, cannot separate. You want Jesus, Holy Spirit comes with it. Anybody heard of Pat Boone or not? Pat Boone. He had a song called Love and Marriage. Can or not? Can you remember? Like, like a horse and carriage. You can't have one without the other. Some old people here, okay? You can't have one without the other. And uh, this song also refers to the Holy Spirit in the covenant uh, that we have uh, in Christ, the New Testament, but originally promised to Abraham. And of course, the other point is, Paul says, the promise is not to Abraham's offsprings, plural, but to one. Huh? That sneaky God. Never say plural, say one. Never keep us confused. But that offspring is Jesus Christ. So that the new covenant, the blessing to Abraham is in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit through faith. That's the blessing given to Abraham. You want, you can write that down, but it's already there. In Christ, the blessing to Abraham is in Christ, we all receive, can receive the Holy Spirit through faith. And that is so important because... Without the Holy Spirit, we are not Christian. You cannot say, I receive Christ, but you can keep the Holy Spirit. No, thank you. It's okay. You buy one, you get one free. As they say in the marketplace. You cannot separate. Both come together. And part of the problem in the church is that uh, throughout this time, it's misunderstood this and it has neglected the work of the Holy Spirit. But when God brings the revival, sometimes we go overboard to the other side where we make the Holy Spirit um, more hyper than it should. Okay, the Holy Spirit will always point to Jesus. But we make the Holy Spirit the center of tension. We're going across against the scripture also. Uh, that's why the Holy Spirit is so important in his work as the teacher. Okay. There are a couple of things I didn't put inside because you need to write it down. If you don't write it down, you will not remember. Okay, why is the Holy Spirit called holy? You may say, why so gundula? Holy Spirit is holy, so called holy, right? 
Okay, like some people think Jesus Christ was named Jesus Christ because he's the son of Joseph and Mary Christ. <laughs> must be what? Christ must be the surname, right? Like, what's your surname? Go. Why you, why you call yourself Go? Family lah. Huh? So, some people think like that, but it's wrong. Jesus Christ means what? Jesus, Saviour, Christ, Anointed One, Messiah. Okay? So, I'm going to ask you to think that Holy Spirit may be called Holy Spirit not because, not only because Holy Spirit is holy, and uh, I have a whole teaching about the word holy, but never mind. Maybe next year like, we do uh, what Bible says and then three or four important biblical words. Like. Okay? But the Holy Spirit's job or function or JD, uh, 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 JD is what? Job description is to make holy. Okay? So, uh, just give you a to me, definition is holy is to live holy life is to live exclusively to God. Uh, if you want, next year you come and I'll show you why. Okay? But, okay, then two things that uh, you want you write down. I didn't put it down because you want to remember. The Holy Spirit, when we say the complete paraclete, I'm just trying to be a bit punny, uh, alliteration, uh, rhyming, and all that. Paraclete is the word used by. John in his gospel uh, as he attributes it to Jesus and, and the word paraclete is translated counsellor, advisor you shall receive a counsellor okay, another counsellor um, and the original New Testament word is para P-A-R-A kletos K-L-E-T-O-S P-A-R-A K-L-E-T-O-S Parakletos Remember last week we talked about Ecclesia Ecclesia is made out of two parts Ek, out and Ecclesia comes from the root Kaleo K-A-L-E-O I call Parakletos Para, side Parallel lines Kletos comes from Kaleo I call so, parakletos means called to one side. Therefore, the word um, parakletos, English version paraclete, translated counselor, literally in the New Testament Greek means the person who walks beside. The one who walks beside. Okay, that is Jesus' description of the Holy Spirit. His most important adjective or, or noun, noun okay the descriptor of the Holy Spirit is parakletos but John 14 16 right John 14 16 you must go and look it up yourself you don't read it properly yourself can't remember Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as another counsellor I will send you another counsellor why another And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. So who the original? Jesus. So Counselor number one, Jesus. Counselor number two, Holy Spirit. Okay? But English quite limited. Okay, sometimes we misunderstand Bible words because of the limited way, uh, li- the limited vocabulary of English and maybe some other... Um, Languages also. Uh, some people think the word bless in, in Chinese bless means what, what is Chinese bless? Zufu. Zufu. Must mean the greater to the not so great. So it is very strange for us in the Bible says bless the Lord because Chinese don't fit. It's for us to say we zufu tenfu. Uh, cannot make it. Does not make sense. So, they say then that it's not a good thing to say bless the Lord, you must say praise the Lord. No, Bible says bless the Lord. Uh, that's the limitation of the Chinese translation of the word. Don't blame the scripture when your own language uh, is... At, English only has one word for bless, but the Bible has at least two or three 
words for blessed or blessed. Okay. Uh, in case you don't know, blessed uh, also means happy, the beatitudes. And uh, blessed always doesn't mean good. Uh, blessed is the one whom the Lord chastises. Uh. That's also blessedness, in case you don't believe. Uh. Uh, so, here, um, when we talk about another, there are two words in New Testament for another. Heteros, H-E-T-E-R-O-S Heteros and Alos Heteros, Alos A-L-L-O-S Heteros, what do you think it means? Uh? Heteros Heterogeneous Means what? Huh? What? Different, ah. Uh? <laughs> different kind lah heteros lah different different uh, many type lah okay so heteros another different alos means another same of the same kind when Jesus says I send you alos paratletos it means I send you a counsellor of the same kind of the same kind as what Who's number one? Jesus. Yeah. So his promise of the counselor is that this counselor, the Holy Spirit, will be just like me. Okay? That's so important to understand. The Holy Spirit comes like to be a replacement. I don't know whether you, any Chow Yun Fat fans here. Some ladies last time, uh, men in the net, you remember men in the net? Well, last time, men in the net, the whole Chinatown deserted. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> watching men in the net. I don't know, some of you too young to remember, la, but that was the, that was the phenomenon. Um, Chow Yun-Fat started in a movie called Replacement Killers. I don't know whether some of you remember that. This one, that one replacement bad. La. This one replacement good. Yeah, trying to reinforce the idea. So, the Holy Spirit comes as a replacement in a sense for Jesus. I send you another counselor of this camp. Why replacement of Jesus? Again, remember, Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall, be, you shall do more, greater. And last week we said that when, uh, that's why the church is established. The church is the body of Christ. Yeah, so that his work can uh, be multiplied all over the place and um, that's why the church is the body of Christ because the church is to carry out to, to continue the work of Christ the Holy Spirit is also like this in that sense because the human Jesus one place, one time but once the Holy Spirit is unleashed it's Christ's presence everywhere Okay, so you may say, but God everywhere also. Um, in a sense, yes. But in the Old Testament, you will see God's Spirit works in definite times and places. Through the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, I shall pour my Spirit upon all flesh. That's the fulfillment of the prophecy, the prophecy about the promise. Okay, so that's the function of the Holy Spirit. And I try to uh, reinforce this by looking at the work and person of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, you look at the gifts, as I said last week, they are in three portions of the Spirit. Uh, Ephesians and the gifts here are people. There's Romans and Corinthians. Okay, so I just quickly enumerate for you are uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, uh, shepherds or pastors and teachers. These are the gifts that are people. They are for the equipping of the saints, for the works of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. Okay, but although some pastors would like to think this refers only to them, that means ordained clergy, that is nonsense. 
Okay, because when this was written, there was no ordained clergy. Right? So, different people, whether you're ordained or not, you may be these gifts. So, it's a matter of whether you uh, have discovered this is your calling. Some of the, the gifts here may be called to full-time, but that's a different issue. Okay? Um, sometimes I wonder if it's possible to be called to full-time without any of these five gifts. Uh, from what I can see, possible. Okay? Then in Romans, uh, the gifts are listed. Um, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. okay. Getting old, huh? Um, gifts according to the grace, prophecy, proportion to our faith, service, teaching, exaltation, contribution, generosity, leadership, acts of mercy, so on and so forth. Those are the more general gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, um, that one is the wrong, wrong, wrong section because, uh, sorry, uh, I didn't check properly. Anyway, those are the gifts that are called manifestations of the Spirit, including uh, prophecy, uh, discernment of spirits, tongues, interpretation, gifts of healings and miracles, things like that. Those are more uh, spiritual in nature. They are more also occasional. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. Um, I've yet to be convinced that anyone has a permanent gift of the word of knowledge, for example, or the word of wisdom. Because these gifts are referred in 1 Corinthians 12 as the manifestations of the Spirit. When they are given and they operate, they are special occasions which uh, identify that the Spirit is working in that situation, time and place in a specific way. I don't know whether you understand that fully, but um, it is not something that, I say, it is not a permanent gifting. Unlike uh, apostles and evangelists, which seem to be more permanent. So if you, get, if you have the gift of wisdom, it is for that occasion at that time to testify that the Spirit is in operation for that specific time and place. Okay? So like I said, yet to be convinced that someone has a permanent gift of the word of knowledge. I've seen people operate. Uh, there are 14 people here with a back problem and 26 people here with heart problem and 66 people here with a wounded knee or don't know what. But um, no one ever stopped. Can count on. You know? I have seen uh, where there are specific words of knowledge for that occasion at that time. And the person doesn't claim to be... Uh, in any way um, having the ministry and for myself maybe <laughs> one or twice uh. okay I just give a short testimony um, Wesley Church many many years ago we were trying to pray for this wife who uh, for the squirming trouble on the floor uh. so we got to pray for her then husband not Christian standing nearby. Uh. Uh, I knew husband was, I was told husband practiced martial arts. So, uh, as I prayed over, as we are, a group, uh, not only me alone, uh, a lot. Never go alone. <laughs> Sometimes it'll be so scary, you can piss in your pants. But never mind. Um, as I prayed, uh, no, as we were praying, I saw a uh, like an idol, rainbow colored. Uh, then I was led, I can't remember clearly uh, so many years ago. I went to the husband and said, uh, When you practice your martial arts, uh, you do it before an uh, idol of some kind or not? The fellow said, No. So I said, Okay, la, I just closed the issue. A few years later, I was at Trinity Methodist Church and this guy had become a Christian and he was invited to testify. Uh, to our, at our charismatic service, a uh, small one. He came up to me and said, I must tell you about the day when 
Melvin asked me whether I practice in front of an idol. And I said, no. He said, I lied. Actually, he did. And that was one of the things that helped his journey to become a Christian. Now, now this kind of thing uh, happened once or twice in the life, and not every day. Uh. <laughs> so don't worry, I, I don't know anything. Yeah. Uh, if it comes, it comes. Sometimes I, I think even it comes, I also don't know, and I just ignore it. But um, this is why we must be a bit clearer about the gifts of the Spirit. Some are called the persons, because they are persons, the calling is more permanent. The Romans 12 list is more general. Yeah, and, and they include also our natural talents, those who are like service, encouragement. I told you, I'm not so good at uh, hospitality and pastoring for hospital because I'm not so encouraging. And so if I visit you in hospital, you may get sicker. <laughs> so because my gifting is not there. But I do have some leadership as uh, in one, uh, Romans 12. Okay, I have experienced some of the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, the manifestation of the Spirit, but uh, to me, those not permanent, as and when needed. Uh, so sometimes, um, discernment of spirits is also quite important. Uh, another example, once I was called emergency to Pileba MGS, because this girl student was... Uh, running up and down and on the fourth level trying to acting like a, a tiger so they all think well, tiger spirit you know <laughs> called three pastors when we talk 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 three of us we decided she was not possessed she was acting out and in the end it came out that she had severe problems at home and she there was attention seeking behavior okay so don't be so fast to say this is uh, spirit because that has the that is the probably the last option. You cancel everything else out unless there's it's so obvious. Even when you think it's obvious, it may not be obvious. Okay, so discernment of spirits is very important, but it's given only for that time and that place. Okay, so do you understand the the, the, the difference of the three lists? Okay, one is the person more permanent. The other one is the occasional. And the center one has some permanence, but includes also a lot of natural abilities. Okay, so that's the gift of the spirit. Uh, fruit of the spirit. I'll deal more next uh, next Wednesday. But we all know what the uh, next Thursday. Yes, sixty-four years old. I want to do. Okay, other people, other work of the spirit is conviction. Uh, not this one. Nothing to do with the law. Uh, not crime. Uh. The spirit convicts us um, in conversion. Unless one is born of water and the spirit, cannot enter the kingdom. Uh, indwelling. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, does not belong to him. This is why uh, we say the Holy Spirit comes with Jesus. If the Holy Spirit does not dwell in the person, the person is not a Christian. Okay, but you have no choice. Huh? You accept Christ, the Spirit comes in anyway, huh? uh, whether you like it or not. Uh, assurance, this will deal uh, later. Um, the Spirit provides power to be witnesses. And John 14, the Spirit is our teacher. Besides being counselor, the Spirit also has a spiritual gift of teaching. That's a joke, sorry. Um, it's teacher. The Spirit is our teacher. And we so need that because there's a lot of junk out there. Okay? Uh, people try to teach themselves without the Holy Spirit teaching them. And there's a lot of nonsense out in the Christian market, so to speak. Um, I like it when uh, one of the previous pastors I had says, he said 90% of the books out, Christian books out, is actually nonsense. I say, why well, are you so mean? Huh? He said, yeah, it's true, about 90%. So be careful. I, I don't agree with him so high. Lah, but a lot of the stuff there, uh, I once read a book about a person's vision or death went to hell or heaven, 
Hell is uh, in the shape of a human body. Uh. <laughs> Think drugs. Uh, drugs. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You want psychosis or so? Can. Uh. But uh, very, very sad. Okay? And the whole book. Can sell the book some more. Uh, right. And sorry, uh, Holy Spirit is a person. Not a thing. There are a lot of teaching that Holy Spirit is just like electricity. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a thing, is uh, inanimate. But, and the Holy Spirit is, Jesus refers to Him. Uh, you want to argue, you ask God later, why is the Holy Spirit a He? And, uh, but God is He, Jesus is He, Spirit is He. Uh, well, ladies are not happy. Uh. Okay, but never mind. I only can tell you what the Bible really says. As this is in that title. And we can tell the Spirit is a person because um, in Genesis it refers to the Spirit of God. And of course, the Spirit of Truth is also the Spirit of Christ. All this you just look up. Now. The Spirit is eternal as God is. Uh, the Spirit can bring comfort, Romans 8. It comforts us. And Ephesians 4.30, uh, quite surprising. You know what it says? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, I didn't know the Holy Spirit had feelings. Of course, human things are different. Uh. Human things not only happen in the mind, they are also chemically, some, something like in the brain. Uh. But, and I don't think we should um, attribute to God the same feelings as humans have. Okay? Uh, um, in classical theology, one of the attributes of God is that He's impossible. Impossible. Doesn't mean you kind of overtake Him on the road. <laughs> impossible means He does not have human passions as we do. He does not. When the Bible describes God as angry, it is not human anger. It is an anthropomorphic statement. Anthropomorphic means giving God um, the form of human beings so that we can understand what God is going through as the nearest thing as we can feel or are. So the eyes of God, the ears, some even say the heart of God, obviously all these are metaphorical. Huh? The hand of God, how many fingers? Who knows? How many hands does he have? Who knows? How many eyes? Maybe about six, I think. So, uh, when the Bible refers to these things, don't take them literally, right? Uh, they are anthropomorphic. So, when God, when the Holy Spirit is grieved, also in the same way, but it is possible to grieve the Holy Spirit, and that's more in my mind, to reinforce the person of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be resisted and quenched. Surprising, right? You think, Holy Spirit being God, nothing can happen. Bore Superman, no. Uh, but, we can resist the Spirit. Why? Because I think, uh, Jesus, God, uh, sorry, I, I use sexist language, yeah? They are, uh, God's a gentleman. Yeah? He only comes into places that we open up or vacate for Him. Um, and can be quenched. We can suppress the work of the Spirit in our lives. We have so much power, yeah? But that also comes as a warning. Do not grieve. Do not resist. Do not quench. So these are the... This is the work and person... And if you look, all these things, actually, what Jesus does for us. Okay? So all that Jesus does for us in our life now is done through the Holy Spirit. Because He has gone to be with the Father. Listen very carefully. Yeah? That's why the blessing of Abraham is in Christ we have the Spirit. Because everything Christ is to us is given to us or mitigated to us or channeled to us by the Holy Spirit that lives and works in us. 
That's the importance of the Holy Spirit. If we ignore the Holy Spirit, that means we're ignoring the work of Jesus in our lives. That's the place of the Holy Spirit in the church and in the individual Christian. You are the temple of uh, the Spirit. The Spirit dwells in you. I don't know how to re-emphasize or increase the emphasis how important the Holy Spirit is, okay? So, if we say, don't want the Holy Spirit, then we got things all upside down, inside out, wrong. We must be quite conscious of what the Spirit of God does in our life. And uh, for many years and many times, uh, the Spirit of God gets forgotten. So once in a while, God uh, intervenes by disturbing the world a bit. And we'll talk about this later. Um, But in the meantime... The Bible says that these are the commandments to keep in step with the Spirit. Uh, just Galatians 5.25. That's just after the fruit of the Spirit. We are to keep in step with the Spirit. And we are to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18. Uh, let me read that. Do not get drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You wonder why? The being filled with the Holy Spirit is being compared to being drunk. Of course, God could think of a better analogy, right? This is a, this is a, a parallel, you know. You are to be filled with the Spirit, something like being drunk. Not really drunk, because that's not good. But, the filling of the Spirit. I'll explain why in a while. Okay? So, person in work, place in... Biblical theology, place in the covenants of God, the new covenant especially, and the place in Christ's salvation, and uh, in our lives as Christians and the church. Okay, got question? Ah. Ah. We love it, learn the second picture. Coming, coming, akan datang. Anybody here does not know akan datang? Some younger people maybe not know. Huh? Last time in the cinema, before the what they call now the. Before, last time we call them the shots. Remember shots, not running shots. Huh? just the trailer lah. Akan datang. Okay, never mind. Too long. Too young. Never mind. Don't just remind me about um, how old I am. Okay, so the Holy Spirit. To me, just want to emphasize tonight two different aspects of the Spirit's work. Number one is, uh, as a Methodist, as a Wesleyan, this is something I always try and emphasize and promote. And this is the work of assurance. Uh, Romans 5, 8, 5. Is Romans there? Alamak. Huh? Where is it? Ah, uh, 16. The Spirit bears witness our Spirit. We are children of God. Okay? Um, this is a Wesleyan distinctive. This is a doctrine of the Methodists. Wesley's father, Samuel, said, This is the most important proof of Christianity. The witness of the Spirit. And um, I think as Christians, many people uh, struggle with Christian assurance. How do you know you're a Christian? Okay, again, I go back to four spiritual laws a bit. Yeah. You go to one, two, three, four, the laws, right? Then do you want to accept Christ? Yes, you pray this prayer. No, then we tell Revelations 3 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open door, I will come in and be with him. Okay? So now that you've prayed to receive Christ, where is Christ? In your heart, ah. How do you know? Because God's word, what? The revelation, and God never lies, right? So it must be true, right? How do you know God never lies? Because the Bible says so, what? The Bible says that God never lies. So God never lies. How do you know? The Bible says so. 
Alright? So, although I'm not saying it's bad, it has truth in it, sometimes it doesn't work. Uh, because it appeals only to the mind. So when something bad happens and uh, you, wear, you wonder where God is, uh, I had a file, paper file last time, that had a very cute question. Does God seem far away? Guess who moved? You understand? Okay. Anyway, sometimes when God seems far away, we think, well, am I a child of God or not? Uh, don't be afraid. John Wesley also went through this all the time, maybe almost throughout his life. But on Aldous Gate, he seemed to have solved the problem. Lah. I fight my heart strangely warm. I felt I did trust Christ. Uh, Christ alone for my salvation. And assurance was given me that he had saved me from the law of sin and death. Okay, the assurance. Some people say Aldous Gate was Wesley's conversion. I disagree. Because an assurance was given me. I think Aldous Gate was Wesley's experience of assurance of faith. So it's become a pillar of Methodist doctrine. Okay? Singapore Christians... Singapore Christians always reflect their own culture. La. Singapore Christians... What is Singapore's cult, uh, characteristic? Kiasu. Christians, Singapore Christians are very kiasu. No, I tell you. How many times do you need to accept Christ? Ah, many times. <laughs> But many of us here done it more. Don't worry, I also done it before. Many of you are born and once, right? Huh? You don't admit. I know you done it. Even if you don't put up your hand inside the hand, inside inside the heart, God see the hand up. Not? <laughs> no, nonsense. Okay, I tell you story. Billy Graham crusade. First night, dedication night. Yeah, Wednesday, I think Thursday, Friday, Saturday or I, or First night or Tuesday uh. Only for the Christians Choir there, ushers uh, 12,000 people So Everybody happy, sing, sing, sing Billy Graham come talk Talk, he give pep talk 10 minutes, 45 minutes oh, yeah. <laughs> Because he said I, 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 I'm on evangelist, I don't know how to preach anything I know how to preach the gospel Even the gospel in a narrow sense uh. 45 minutes I'm praying at the end, please save us, Lord have mercy. <laughs> then he, he, said, he says, I also must give an invitation. Just in case, I know you're supposed to be all Christians. Just in case one or two of you not, I still give invitation. You don't have to come up. You just, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Uh, if you want to describe, put up your hand. Wow, wait very long uh, for one or two people. Five minutes. You know, he said, I never seen so many hands. In my life for a dedication service. Because <laughs> all supposed to be what? Christian. Then, then he played them out, no? You all must come down. They <laughs> thought don't need to come down. Oh, you know how many people came down? Six hundred. Five percent, huh? Of the all the Christians. He thought one or two. Six hundred come down. One of those come down. I saw my university mate, schoolmate. For me for blood classmate. So after everything over, I bumped to him in the library one day. I said, hey, I saw you at that day at the dating church. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw you. Go down. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I said, you go down. You're not Christian. Huh? Of course I am. Very <laughs> angry with me already, no? Uh, you're not sure? You're not sure you're Christian? Of course I am sure. <laughs> I said, why you go down? Make more sure lah. <laughs> Singaporean, that's right. Singaporean, make more sure. You more, every time you go down and put out your hand, is you are, you're paying premium. Your insurance policy become better. Double confirmed. Double confirmed. Your triple for uh, ten hand, ten hand is not enough. Okay, so what is the problem there? It's misunderstanding what is Christian assurance. And the Bible says, part of the Holy Spirit work is to give us Christian assurance. Christian assurance. The Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. So that we know, not just have in the mind, but we know in ourselves. It's an inner conviction, a spiritual reality that we are God's children. Some of us here, I may be talking to you, you may not have experienced that. But the Holy Spirit said that is, I had discovered that because I was also in, not sure. Then I read in the Bible, I said, Alamak, I didn't know that before. And 
I began to say, okay, so God, if you promise, then I will just accept it lah. And slowly, the conviction grew. It is true. The Holy Spirit does witness with our spirit that we are God's children. Okay? Just in case you think that it might... Uh, some people say you might deceive yourself, you know. The heart is deceitful above all else. But Wesley has some safeguards. says you must have been in some way converted. There must be change in our lives and there will be fruit that will confirm that we are children of God. Okay, so this is... So this is not merely theological, not the roundabout argument. This is a promise in the scripture and it's a part of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a Methodist distinctive, so that's why I spend a bit more time here. Okay? Next one. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm a child of the charismatic renewal, which uh, where the charismatic experiment actually is loosely called the baptism in the Spirit. Um, it was not new, and if you want to blame anyone for charismatic renewal, you've got to blame John Wesley. Okay, because of his understanding of the Spirit's work, the second blessing into the work of sanctification, and uh, the modern Pentecostal and Assembly of God movements were started by two Wesleyan holiness preachers in the US. Okay, all this can be traced. And they trace back the spiritual grandfather is John Wesley. So if you're all not happy with the charismatics and all that, I see I'm now not so happy with them also. Uh, <laughs> um, that's the fellow's fault, ah, John Wesley. You go heaven, if he's there, you can scold him. But I do not also like the term baptism in the spirit. Uh, although it is partly biblical because it refers to the experience in Acts. Okay? Because, um, okay, let me just introduce you okay, uh, to three words in the Bible. Baptijo. Baptijo translated baptize. Um, picture sunken ship. Sunken ship, water inside, outside. That's the image of baptizo. So that's why we are buried with Christ in baptism. Um, and this is why, at, as Methodists, we utterly reject or do not believe in immersion as the uh, only form of baptism as some people do. Lah. Number one, because Jesus was not buried underground. Eh? He was uh, buried in a tomb. Lah. Don't need to dig hole. Lah. All is there, just put inside. So if you really want to baptize by immersion like Jesus, you've got to have a tank, then you shove the fella in horizontally and pull the guy out. So I think the argument just breaks down down there completely. Um, and if you want to be true to baptizo and you want to immerse the fella, you've got to hold until the water fills inside and outside. I think you don't want that, right? So again, the argument breaks down. Uh, uh, although there is a minor word translated baptism, and you think those who know Malay, it's called baptis mati. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Baptizo, main word, minor word, baptis mati. What's mati in Malay? Die. Okay. See, actually, God quite funny lah. You only don't know. You just need to know where to find. Huh? God's got a sense of humor. The other word is Plato. Plato means to fill. Be filled with spirit. Plato. And then there's a third word, Apachomai, means fall upon. In the book of Acts, the spirit of God fell upon. Again, this is a metaphor, but it's like um, you can imagine uh, you being splashed. You know, they, 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 they had on YouTube this ice, ice, ice challenge what? they put a bucket of full of ice and they pour over the guy right some of you try right? <laughs> anyway you know what I mean uh, so they pour over so this fall upon uh, uh, you don't want me to fall upon you because then you baptize mati <laughs> so it's the good thing the falling upon is a spirit not a person uh. spirit fall upon you not so bad uh, not so dense 
All right? And in the usages, they have the Greek aorist tense, which means a particular event, or a present tense, which means a continuing condition. So, in the Bible, baptism, you have water baptism, as with John the Baptist and later what Jesus said, baptizing the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's, um, then John refers to Jesus as the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. You believe me or not? Here comes the one Jesus will ba- he will baptize you. His sandals not uh, fit to untie. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Yet when we receive Christ, we are the Paul. Uh, Paul writes, we are baptized into the body of Christ. Okay. So there are many ways uh, of there are many things about baptism, and baptism is a whole concept rather than. Um, they say baptism is this thing or the other thing. There are many kinds of baptism. There's the baptism of suffering. The Bible refers to. Okay, so for the charismatics to, and the assembly of God people to insist baptism of the Holy Spirit is just one experience. I think that's a very restricted use of the word baptism in the Spirit also. And um, baptism basically describes the whole life. The whole Christian life is a baptism. Baptism by Christ, in Christ, in the Holy Spirit, by water, of suffering. And uh, so we look at baptism as many things. There are many baptisms for the Christian, not just one. Okay? And there are multiple facets and experiences. Therefore, besides the particular events of being baptized, with the Spirit in that sense, or the Spirit falling on us, uh, particular experiences with the Holy Spirit, uh, as particular events, there's also the condition in Ephesians that talks about be being filled. When it says be filled, actually you should translate literally, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, it compared, I say, very, very tam, compared with drunkenness. Why? Don't be drunk with wine, it's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, or be being filled with the Spirit. Why is that? Um, if you get drunk and you get caught by the mata mata, you are enlivening the car one, you are driving under the Influence of what? Alcohol. Alcohol lah. So, Bible says instead of being under the influence of alcohol, be under the influence of the Spirit. Okay, that's the parallel. Let the Spirit control your life in the good and best way as if alcohol were controlling your life in the bad and worst way. You get the analogy there? Okay, so that's what being filled with the Holy Spirit really means. Being under the influence of the Holy Spirit, which means the Holy Spirit can have, uh, like, put break on your life. That means, can say, don't. And you know, the Spirit says, don't. Paul just says, you know, he wanted to go somewhere, but the Spirit said, don't. So he went turn right instead of go straight. Something like that. Okay? So the Spirit of God must have that place in our lives where He can lead us and do all the work of Jesus Christ and we can respond positively, not walk around blissfully unaware of the work of the Spirit in our lives. That is the intention. Okay, so um, this is what we need. This is the discipline we need as Christians. To be under the influence of the Spirit. So, uh, very main example, prayer ministry. Um, although there are, okay, la, there's plus and minus. Uh, prayer ministry, the Spirit sometimes guides us as we pray for people. And we trust the Holy Spirit to guide us. Sometimes it can be wrong la, because we guess too much. But sometimes the Holy Spirit does uh, help us to be guided. So we don't force it. 
we try and learn to identify and understand when the Holy Spirit is leading us and that's the direction we move in. Okay, the Holy Spirit may in any in many ways leading us and now I look back at my life uh, and I see how the Spirit of God has led me uh, in ways that I also don't know. Like, sometimes it is unconscious. Okay? Um, after being called to full-time, <laughs> apply for university, uh, knowing that I'm going to go for theological education. I look at the courses that are available. Cannot, cannot, cannot do one, two specific, da, 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 only one level. At the bottom, business administration. Why business administration? I don't know. But there's only one left. So tick ah. That's how I, I became business graduate. Seriously. But I look back, I use business sometimes more than my theology in running the church. So although I bodo bodo at that time, yeah, completely blur and oblivious, the Holy Spirit was leading. <laughs> I only see one line. Tick. Okay, so, um, and I look, there are so many ways uh, that has happened in my life. So I think uh, if we trust God and we are determined to be filled or be under the influence of the Spirit, um, then uh, I think He will respond. We don't quench, we, don't, we try not to grieve. Although we do this all the time. Huh? There will be times we grieve, we, we, we quench, and we do all kinds of things to the Spirit. But the Spirit persists uh, and will lead us if we are willing. Uh, this is my faith and I think partly my testimony as well. Okay? Even retiring uh, at the end of the year, I felt so strongly. People are telling me, uh, you, you die like you will go crazy, uh, you can't work. Blah, blah, blah. But I look back, good thing I did. I don't have, can't tell you all the details, but good thing I did. Uh, that was the correct time. And I attribute that to the Spirit's leading. Lah. And uh, there are a few signs that helped me see, but uh, that's my testimony. Um, I have seen once a person actually, actually drunk in the Holy Spirit. The spirit had fallen on him so much that he was like, obviously he obviously not preferred to do that all his life. Ah. But it's only at that moment he can remember his experience of the Holy Spirit in that manner where he was almost acting like a drunkard. So I said, wow, okay, that's why the uh, Bible says that. Okay? Uh, but again, I say, Holy Spirit is a gentleman and will only do what we allow him. Okay. Uh, final part. And I'm going to go through this a bit quickly. Then I'll do the last bit, which cannot be recorded. <laughs> Alright. In the work of the Holy Spirit, sometimes there is this thing called revival. Uh, where like God puts His finger into the human history. Um, I'd make a, refer- a difference in renewal and revival. Revival is when the Holy Spirit's uh, what which you're going to describe. Renewal is, to me, the continuing process of God in our lives. Uh, be renewed by, uh, with the renewing of our mind. Uh, that's what Paul says in Romans 12. But sometimes, uh, the Holy Spirit does disrupt things by intervening directly. And the book is called When the Spirit Comes in Power by Dr. John White. Dr. John White. Um... Dr. John White, quite a remarkable person. Uh, he is a medical doctor, psychiatrist, but he's also a theologian and author, pastor. So he combines all these disciplines to come up with this book. If you want, you can try and get it. I don't know where it's still in print. Um, he talks about, uh, very quickly, he talks about revival, things that happen. So like I said, I'm a product of the charismatic renewal in the early 70s in Singapore, what some people call the clock tower revival in ACS. Uh, it happened in other places as well. And um, we still feel some of the effects now. Lah. 
Okay? Because the mega churches are a direct consequence of this uh, charismatic renewal. There are books written about it already. And um, quite studied the revivals and these are some of the points he makes which I share with you. This is from his book. Huh? Number one, converted, unconverted men, women and children stunned by a vision of God's holiness and His mercy are awakened in large numbers of repentance, faith and worship. God's power is manifest in human lives in ways no psychological and sociological laws can explain adequately. The community as a whole becomes aware of what is happening, many perceiving the movement as a threat to existing institutions. Some men and women exhibit unusual physical and emotional behavior that creates controversy. They can be an offense to the opponents of the revival and a snare to its supporters. Some revived Christians believe in an immature and impulsive way, while others fall into sin. In this way, the revival appears to be a strange blend of godly and ungodly influences, of this place of divine power and of human weakness. Wherever the revival is extensive enough to have national impact, socio-political reform follows over the succeeding century. All these things fit our charismatic renewal in Singapore and probably throughout the world. Okay? And if you want to learn about history, you go and look about Australia, Billy Graham crusade in Australia. Not just three, four days are there. There were months or weeks of and how it impacted the society there. So that is a different kind of uh, renew, uh, revival. There's also the Welsh revival. The Welsh revival, uh, one, some of the results are the, the, the bars and the pubs, nobody went. No. Everybody was in church. Uh, the most amusing was in the miners, Welsh was famous for mines. The miners, in the mines, there were these horses uh, that uh, pulled out the coal. They didn't know how to work. You know why? Because in their only experience, these miners all very horrible people. Uh, they shouted curses, cursing the horses, forcing them to work. Now the miners were saying, please, would you? <laughs> and the horses didn't know what to do. They never heard such... Uh, Polite people, and you know, so they, 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 they couldn't work. Okay, so it's that kind of oddity. Um, in Sydney, you see uh, police work uh, reduce people come up confessing their crimes, and everyone is so uh, flabbergasted. See, so uh, revivals have impact, and I think in, in our society, we've seen some of the good impacts of the charismatic renewal as well, as, as well as the bad. Right, so these things do happen, and um, I was saying uh, later, you know, we produce the world of God produces bizarre physical manifestations. Uh, John Wesley, I'll come back to to it. Um, physical reactions can be positive, anointing, empowering, uh, or negative, driving out, breaking bondages. Uh, there are biblical precedents normative and uh, it is in Christ's ministry okay so uh, just give you a couple of examples people used to fall over or sometimes but then some fall over reels others uh, fall over by habit uh. they expect to fall over so they fall uh. you don't touch them they fall fall it's not God's spirit uh. they, they themselves fall other people push the, the fellow the, the, the speaker wants them to fall so he push uh. and one sweet old missionary lady pointed out and I agree with her God does not like pushy people <laughs> so if you push uh, so that fellow will fall you feel good uh, I think God does not happy uh. and then people were what, like uh, they are writhing and they, they seem to be in so much pain and uh, you know they say praise Lord God is working in their life but that may be only the positive side the God working in their life could be the negative side where it's cleaning out all the dirt uh, so there are many uh, misunderstandings and uh, sometimes discernment is so important. In Wesley's ministry, okay, in the early part of the revival where all these things were happening, um, the traditional lists were very afraid and say, what's, what's, what's all this happening? You know, what's all this happening? Where, where, where in the Bible and, and you know, uh, how come this is happening? Then all the arrogant Charismatics, I probably was one of them at that time. I said, No, God's doing a new thing, a new thing. But not new, lah. it's been happening throughout church history 2,000 years. Lah. Okay? Wesley's ministry, 
uh, people while he's preaching falling about crying rolling about on the floor in agony so it's nothing new uh, so the for those who are who are concerned it's nothing new this happens important is discernment for the arrogant who say this is so new God is doing a new thing don't be so arrogant uh, because God's been doing out doing this thing for many years in church history okay so uh, it needs to be seen in that light and you don't have to be uh, extreme in one way or another okay so um, we the last part uh, just be open persevere in prayer we worship study move to uh, maturity and willingness so the importance in our mind now is to um, be open to God's Spirit to desire to be filled by God's Spirit. Okay? Some people okay, some people say we must continually pray for revival. We must pray for the next revival. Here, I'm a bit more reticent. God has already given us a revival in the 70s that was supposed to renovate the church I'm not sure we have been too successful Uh, so my question is do we deserve a new revival when we have not been good stewards of the old one Um, one of my peeves is okay let me I wasn't going to do this but let me do it now Um, I read to you what my which I've said to you before that actually I consider my ministry of the 36 years a bit of a failure lah, because uh, of so many things that have not changed. Okay? So I've written this for myself to remind. I'm not sure we deserve a new revival when we have not been good stewards of the old one. We have turned worship services into concerts. We have traded kingdom values for production values. Many services modern nowadays have a production sheet. Maybe they give you the timing, what's happened, the sequence. They got a stage manager. It's all control, like a TV program. A production values are what it takes to put up a good show. And this is what's happening to some church services, especially the more modern ones. Okay? We have traded kingdom values for production values, maturity and gifts of the spirit for celebrity, the body of Christ for business practices, spirituality for health and wealth, Spiritual discipline, we now want shortcuts or secrets. Instead of the fruit of the Spirit, we look at outward appearances and we fail to restructure church institutions to more biblical models. We concentrate on more form than substance. As I was trying to share last uh, Thursday, how the institutional church has all but obliterated the organic body of Christ. Okay, so in that sense, after 36 years, still struggling to see what has been done but um, I think uh, though revival has had many positive effects these are some of the in my mind the the failures of our revival so do we deserve another one I don't know okay all right I'll stop there